Hello, hello, hello. It's your girl, Tiara Nicole, and I am your host of the Chasing Dreams podcast. Thank you so much for joining me in the inaugural season. This season, we have a great list of guests who come to share their dream with the specific intent on providing a blueprint and showing you how to strategically chase your dreams. As always, be sure to subscribe, rate, review, and share the episode with someone who needs to hear these gems. We want to hear from you. At the end of each season, we will have a Q&A session answering audience questions specific to the topic of chasing dreams, whatever that dream may be for you. Also, if you have a guest that you think would be a great fit for our show, feel free to share the contact info with us. All audience questions and podcast guest recommendations can be sent by email at chasingdreamspodcast at gmail.com. Chasing dreams with an S podcast at gmail.com. Now, make sure you stay tuned to the end of the episode for a very special announcement. Without further ado, let's get into this episode. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to the Chasing Dreams podcast. Today, I have Miss Sadija Smiley. Um, she is an angel mom to Aviana Salim. Um, she is a founder and CEO behind Sales Nonprofit, which Sales stands for Stillborn and Infant Loss Support. On top of all of that, she is a friend of mine and an amazing support system to me as a business owner. So thank you, Sadija, for coming on to the Chasing Dreams podcast, girl. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. So today we're going to talk about business beyond bereavement. So if anyone was at Loving Me 2019, you got a little glimpse of what we'll be talking about today. Um, But I thought it was such an important topic because I also am an angel mom of Christopher and Christian. And beyond that, I think we all deal with grief, but we don't talk about how to get through it enough. So I definitely thought it was important to have you on and kind of just talking about like, how do how do you go on with business as usual, whether that's you're having your own business, getting back into work, like how do you deal with all of those things while juggling any kind of bereavement? Um, but I do want to start off by asking you, like, what is your dream? What is the dream for you? My dream is to be able to leave a legacy for my children. I have two other daughters um, here on earth. And so I want to build an empire and leave a legacy for them. Mm -hmm. And I also want to impact as many lives as possible while I'm here on earth. Absolutely. So when did you realize the dream and how has it changed over the years? I would say I realized the dream probably in high school. Okay. Um, when I was in high school, I did a few like speech contests, and um, I realized that I liked writing and reviewing 
other people's writing. I didn't really like speaking too much. Um, but at that point was when I knew I wanted to use words to be able to impact others. I didn't quite know how mm-hmm. I would use those words or what kind of words. Um, and it, it has changed from high school to um, then going on to college, being a single woman to then being a mother. Um, so it's kind of morphed into being more inclusive. It's always been for women. Okay. Um, and has been for um, women that look like me, women of color, um, primarily. Mm-hmm. So it's changed a little, but it's pretty much been the same, just to be able to impact and empower women. Yes, I love that. And a lot of times when we think about our purpose, we try to overthink it and not realize like our purpose is that thing that's been itching at us since childhood. You know, like when I think about like, I've always loved writing. It's always been therapeutic for me. I've always talked too much. Like I remember in elementary school, my mom telling the teacher to put tape on my mouth because I would not stop talking. And I literally like talked over the tape and like just, you know, all types of things. I was always a supportive friend and people would come to me for advice and like, when you think about how all of that plays together and also not only that, but I've always had a heart for the people who were hurting. Mm. Like I've always had a heart for people who are hurting. Like I remember even before my experience with miscarriage, like that, it just was such a burden on my heart. And I couldn't understand. I'm like, I've never even been through that. But just knowing that you've had that loss and not only just miscarriage, but abortion. Like people minimize how much grief is associated with an abortion process. Like, yes, you had that decision, but it's still a really difficult decision to make, you know, Um, or people who were judged or people who are criticized. Like, yeah. So when you think about all of the things that make you you, like that's where your purpose is. Like it's rooted somewhere in either what pisses you off or what makes you happy. <laughs> what one of the two? Okay. What burns your biscuits or what burns them? You know, whatever. <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> so what have you learned from grief that you wish more people knew? Hmm, I would say that I've learned that it never ends. Um, it I, That's the biggest lesson. Um, and that with each loss, it's different, mm-hmm. right? So I've, I've grieved the loss of my daughter. I've grieved the loss of a marriage. I've grieved the loss of friendships, I've grieved the loss of other failed relationships, and each loss, you know, loved ones, my aunt passed, and my grandmother, each time is different, and it's, you think, that's, the, I don't even know how to explain it, because you think, like, okay, I know how heartbreak feels, but it's like, your heart just has so many different places to break, and so I, each time, oh my god, I, yeah, it's <laughs> yes. and I, I agree, I wish more people knew that, because, And I love how you said, like, grieving relationships. Like, we don't think about that. And I have a friend who's going through a divorce now. And I I was happy. Child, I feel like I'm going through a divorce. Let's start there. I really do. I'm like, I talk about this woman two hours a day every day. But anyways, (laughs) beyond that, I'm like, you still have a grieving process to go through. Yes, she's alive. But your relationship is dead. 
And that's what you have to grieve sometimes. Um, I'm grieving the loss of my relationship with my best friend. Like this was the person I spent my life sharing life with. Like that is a grieving process. Um, And even beyond that, when you said how grief never ends, I mean, even just, so I lost my twins three and a half years ago and Mother's Day 2019, it almost took me out. Like it almost took me and it caught me by surprise. And I think for me, what I wish more people knew about grief is like, you can be good and 24 hours later be in shambles. Yes. Like literally in shambles. Um, and I remember when um back when I was working and the anniversary of my delivery, and that's the thing, it's like the anniversary of the delivery, the anniversary of the due date, mothers that like my birthday, because I found out one twin was on dead on my birthday. Like there's just so many reminders. Um, but the anniversary of their due date hit and I I Knew it was coming, but I didn't really think about it coming. And I overslept, which if anyone knows me, I'm a morning person. So I'm I'm literally knocked out dead. My phone's on airplane mode. Like, I have no sense. I woke up at like 10 o'clock in the morning, which again, I'm a morning person. So I wake up. My manager's texting me like, on so, like are you okay? Like, what's going on? You're not even responding. Like, what's happening? And I get to work, and then it hit me. And I was like, I couldn't even talk without crying. And I pulled my manager in the office and was like, I have to go home. Like, I cannot do this. Um, and I told him what happened. And he was he was responsive. Um, and he allowed me to go home. But I was just like... And I spent the next two and a half days in bed. Yeah. And I went from being perfectly fine to shambles. And it and happened. I think it's like an ambush. Like, I yes. think that we... We don't realize, like, you, it's like a sneak attack. Like, you wish you could see it coming and you plan for Not plan, but you know these dates are coming. So you're like, okay, I might feel a little weird or down. But, like, you could be in the grocery store and it's like one minute the sun is shining and the next minute it's a downpour. It just, it just, they come over you and you, it's unpredictable. Yes. It's really unpredictable. Yes, yes, yes. So what tips do you have for people who are dealing with grief on any level and having to figure out, like, how do I put my life back together? I think one of the tips I would say would be to be be kind to yourself in your mm. process um, and not necessarily, like you mentioned, your friend who, although it's a divorce, they're still grieving the death or the loss of that relationship. Mm-hmm. So even when divorces or relationships end and they're nasty and you don't like the person, there's still things that you are tied mm-hmm. to. And think there's some happy moments and things that you just wish were different. Mm-hmm. So I would tell folks to acknowledge those. It's not all bad. You know, there's some good things in every situation. And that's really why we grieve because there were some good things, you know. We miss it, right. Exactly, exactly. So acknowledge those good things. Be kind to yourself. Do not compare your process to somebody else's. Amen. I think caught up, yeah, caught up in, oh, well, she's been 16 years out. He's been 10 years out and they're okay or I should be further along. Stop shooting on yourself. Yeah. Don't, about what you should do just take it day by day and sometimes you really have to take it minute by minute hour Ooh, by hour yes child. you know it's a process and just be patient 
and allow yourself to feel. It's, it's going to be ups and downs. Don't try to hold it off because when you do that, when it comes, it really like hits you like a boulder because you've been holding it in. For so sure. make time and space to let it out, whether it's in the morning in the shower, at night in the bed, in the pillow. Take time each day to kind of allow yourself to feel those feelings. Absolutely. Those are great tips. I definitely, for me, when it was fresh, I made the determination. I said, I'm going to deal with this 100% and completely because I don't want to hold on to this for the rest of my life. Um, and I remember, like, I had an hour drive to work um, right at the job I was working right after the miscarriages. And I would play sad music. I would cry. I would boohoo. I would cry on my lunch break. I would cry on the way home. I would go home, go right to bed. But for me, it was important to just get it out of my system and be okay with that, for sure. Yeah, yeah absolutely. So what has been the biggest gift that has come from grief? Mm, that's a really good question. Um... I would say grace, grace mm. and growth. So from my grief, I gained grace and growth. And I say that to say when you're greeting and you feel like something's being taken away or things are unfair, um, you, your faith is challenged. Mm -hmm. uh, you begin to question God and, you know, why me? And I think I've gained that grace and growth, especially in my faith and spiritually, because I, I look at it as I don't think that God does things to us. I don't think that he makes us go through these things to get stronger. And, oh, he gives, you know, his hardest battles to the strongest soldiers. Mm. I don't believe that. I feel like God is a good God. He's Amen. an awesome God. He's a loving God. He's not there punishing you and making you suffer to make you stronger. Because there's other ways that, that he can do that. You know, so right. I like to... I've learned to acknowledge environmental factors, acknowledge that people have free will and that some of these things people have done to me and some of these things I've done to myself kind yeah. of have me things to do, you know, with some of these things. Mm -hmm. And so once I acknowledge that and not necessarily looking at God as being this mean person who's making me do these things, mm -hmm. that he's really a loving God and I can go to him for guidance and that grace, and I'm growing from that. I would say that's the, the gift that I've gotten. It's just being able to give myself grace for the mistakes that I've made. Mm -hmm. um, and the mistakes that I've allowed, you know, some things we allow to happen. So yeah. really, I would say the grace and the growth. I love it. I love it. I love it. So getting back on track to the dream, right? So what would you say is your number one secret to success? Mm, um, I would say making the time to work towards my dream, right? So mm -hmm. I, for me, um, it's important that I take at least, I do 60 minutes, a minimum 60 minutes a day to work towards my dream. So either I'm writing, I'm planning, I'm researching, I'm reading, I'm having conversations and doing, you know, pockets, something that takes me closer to what I want to do. And I make that. People say, oh, I don't have to. I have two, I'm a single parent with two children. And they really, truly try to run my life. But <laughs> I make time to get my 60 minutes in, whether it's in the morning, if it's on my lunch break, or late at night when they finally get to bed. That's been my secret, is stealing my 60 minutes a day. 
for sure. And if you had not said that, that definitely was going to be my uh, my answer on your behalf. <laughs> you are very consistent with that 60 minutes a day. Um, and I have a similar uh, philosophy, I guess. I don't necessarily put a time limit on it, but I have been earning, I call it earning my sleep. So making sure that before my bed hits, my head hits my bed, I have done something that benefits my business and my dreams and my goals. Some days it's 30 minutes. Some days it's 10 hours. You know, whatever that looks like. But at least some point during that day, I'm doing something to build that consistency and to build that growth and you really start to see results. Like so many people were like, how are you publishing a book every year? How are you doing a podcast? And you have a blog and you you coach and you do th- like all these things that you're doing. How do you have time? I'm like, I'm just consistent. Yeah. I'm really, I'm consistent and I'm organized. And you'd be surprised how far that gets you. You would be surprised. So I definitely agree with you on that one. Um, what final thoughts do you have for the audience? Uh-oh, I'm sorry. My connection blinked out. Yeah, it's fine. I said, what final thoughts do you have for our audience? Um, I would say, um, you know, being about, again, your business beyond the bereavement. Take the time to read. Take the time to process how you're feeling um, and, and try to get back on track. And whatever that looks like for you, it could be seeing a therapist. It could be having a... 20 minute conversation with a friend. It could be praying every day, do something because I, I know for sure, because I've been there that we can get sucked in and down so quickly. The more you sit and we don't, you don't even realize how much time has gone by. Um, so try to keep moving, whether that's taking a walk, whether that's again, having a conversation or praying or listening to music, try not to just sit in it, be able to talk about it so that you can kind of process through it. You won't ever get over it, but you can start to move through it. And the more you move through it, the more you can move toward the other things that you want to do. Awesome. And I have a question that was not necessarily in my notes, but I feel like God just laid it on my heart. Um, I want to go back to something you said earlier where um, we kind of briefly brushed over it, but I think it's worth going back to. You said about like dealing with the anger towards God when you're going through the grieving process, um, because I've also dealt with that. But I definitely want to start by allowing you to share how you got through that first. Um, the biggest thing for me was time, because I I was very angry for a very long time. And for me, I'm very vocal. So either I'm saying it um, or I'm writing it. And most times I'm saying that people are like, you, you beat a dead horse because I have to continue to say something until I feel like I got my point across and that I'm understood, or at least I got it out. Okay. <laughs> Whether you understand or not, as long as I get it out. And so for me, it was the same process with God. God, I'm angry. Why would you do this? Um, and then again, at, 
some point my mind shifted and it was like, God didn't kill your daughter. God didn't, you know, make her die so that you can go and help other people. Yes, you were able to turn that pain and, you know, and use it for a purpose, but that's not why that happened. I, I had to really learn that God is not a God that's, oh, do this, do, it's not like magic and he's just ordering bad things to happen to people. It's just, again, environmental factors, people of their own free will. And so once I looked at it, um, like that and understood that God is love and he cares for me. He loves me. He's, he doesn't want to hurt me. He doesn't do things on purpose for me to hurt, but that things happen, you know, good things happen, bad things happen to good people and vice versa. So once I acknowledged that I was able to go back to God and like, Lord help me. You know, I was then able to be my prayers and my conversation with him changed from why would you do this? How could you do this to I know you didn't do this. Now, how are you going to help me get through it? You know, how, what, what can I do with it? How am I going to heal? You know, send people to me. It became more of a, a loving conversation and a plea for help because I knew he could do it. He could help me. He would send help. I'm on his boat, you know, out here stranded. He's going to send me a life jacket, a lifeboat, you know, to come save me. So, yeah. And I, I feel like part of the reason, um, he probably put that on my heart is because that is a conversation that I don't feel like the Christian community has often enough because it's a real feeling. And I know for me, I was very angry with God for a while. Um, I had my loss in October. It was April, May before I even went back to church. Like I was angry with God. And I felt like you killed my sons. Um, and at a minimum, if you didn't kill them, you allowed them to die. (laughs) And either which way we got problems, you know, and that's really and truly how I felt. And originally, like when it first happened, I searched high and low for the Christian response to grief and couldn't find anything. I'm looking for sermons. I'm looking for online. Like I was looking for any kind of Christian response to grief and couldn't find it anywhere. Um, And which was crazy because I was like, okay, for starters, miscarriage is very common. But even beyond that, people die all the time. So even if we're not going to talk about miscarriage, because that's a woman problem, like, let's go beyond that. Grief. Can can we get a religious or a Christian response to grief? Like, walk me through, you know, and I'm and I'm a very big fan of like a lot of different online pastors. And I'm like searching YouTube high and low, such and such grief, such and such death, like just everywhere and couldn't find anything. Eventually, I ended up stumbling into the book of Job. And that really gave me a lot of solace in understanding that Job was damn near perfect. And he went through so much. And I really resonated with his story. Um, Not that it all happened in a day, but I lost pretty much all that, the same thing in like a two month window. I lost my job. I lost child. My car got repossessed. Um, I had 
problems with my family. I lost both of my children. I lost the father of my children. Well, the relationship with him. I lost family relationships that have still not been able to recover from. Um, my friends turned, I felt like my friends turned away and, you know, it just really was a place where I got to the point where all I had left was God. I was like, well, <laughs> me and my mama was beefing, you know, it's just, I'm like, literally all I got left is my mama and the memories of what could have been or what <laughs> I wished would have been, you know, and all of that. Um, but seeing Job's strength throughout that process. And literally, I read the whole book of Job. Um, and seeing his strength in that process helps me understand, like you said, bad things happen to good people. Mm-hmm. And, and 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 all of that happened to Job because literally God was like, Job got this. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, And you don't know what conversations God is having with the devil about you. You see what I'm saying? Um, and literally their conversation was like, do what you want, but you can't touch him. And that's literally what happened in my life. It was like, the only thing that didn't happen is I didn't get sick. <laughs> you know, it was like, <laughs> I don't know, it's everything but my health. And I really started to resonate with his story. Um, and because of that, I was able to see enough light at the end of the tunnel to bring me back into relationship with God. I went from religion to relationship. Um, and having that transition to relationship with God, it's stronger than ever now. Yeah. Um, so, and I just hope I never had to pass that test again. Because, child, <laughs> child, I hope I pass it the first time because I'm tired, okay? Y'all won't go through that ever again, ever, ever, ever again. <laughs> Um, but yes, I did want to touch on that a little bit. Um, one, cause I felt that urging to do so, but also I think it's an important conversation because a lot of people, and also I think what led me to my anger towards God is the response of church folk. <sighs> like when I lost, I lost the twins three weeks apart. I've had people standing in the church say, well, at least you have one son left. Um, I've had other church folks say, um, well, it's all in God's plan. And while, and then I've had other people tell me, well, you're still young. You can still have kids. And, and I'm like, while all of those things may be true, um, especially when you say things like it's in God's plan, what you're telling me is like, God could have done something different. (laughs) And even if he didn't do it, God could have blocked it. And he chose to allow this in my life. And so that put a wedge in my relationship with him. Because now I'm looking at God like, because when it first happened, I wasn't, it didn't shatter my relationship with God. It wasn't mm-hmm. until time and time and time again, I'm hearing it's in God's plans and God will work it all out. And I'm just like, but why did we have to do this in the first place? Right, right. You know, um, so I think we need to be more responsible as as Christians and be responsible for the words that we're saying and what weight they're carrying as well. 
I agree. And I think they, they, we need to be more connected to the person because when you understand or at least have some sort of compassion for what they're experiencing, you won't go to cliches. And, and hopefully you can hear in your mind before you say it how it sounds during that moment, right? Because like you said, it may be true, but let's connect with what this person, let's, let's be real and connect with what this person is feeling and not necessarily go to the book, which is good, but you're just reciting. You're not even going with what's behind that and the love that comes with it. It's more just the words. So just we can connect people. Yeah. yeah. And now that you mentioned it, a lot of the people who said some of the dumbest stuff were people that I knew been passing, you know? Um, so I definitely agree with that. And even going back to the book of Job, when he first was going through his grieving process and he lost 12 kids. Um, but when he was first going through his grieving process, his friends just sat there. And sometimes all you can do is just show up for people and just be physically present and give them. I remember one time my, um, I had a, I have a friend who suffered a few miscarriages and I remember we just sat there and watched Scarface. That's all she wanted to do. We ate and watched Scarface. And that was it. Sometimes people just need you to just show up and just be physically there. And that went very well for Job until his friends started opening their mouth. <laughs> Ain't nobody asked you for an answer. Right. And you don't have to have an explanation. Some things just don't make sense. Mm-hmm. Don't mm-hmm. feel the pressure to find an explanation for someone else's grieving process. Just let them grieve and just be there physically and just say, how can I support you? I love you. I care about you. And I want to be there for you. What do you need from me? Yeah, that's good. That's good. That That's good. You don't have people. We sh- That's why people say the wrong things because they're looking for something to say that they just sometimes say anything. And so, yeah, not not feeling pressure to fix it or have an answer or have to say anything is that's that's good yeah yeah so thank you i mean i feel like this was definitely a very fruitful conversation uh where can people find you oh you can find me so you can find me on facebook and instagram at i am sadija smiley um, you can also find out more information about the organization, sales, and we're on all social media at Born Into Silence. Awesome. Well, thank you again, um, not only for being on the Chasing Dreams podcast, um, but for being a support and a friend. Um, and just, yeah, our friendship has blossomed, and I, I, I genuinely appreciate um, all of that and just the support, the two-way support and being able to partner and all that child. I appreciate you. It is so awesome. And let me, I can't think of her name right now, but I'm going to go through my phone because real quick before we go, the way that we connected was divine. I was, I was pounding the pavement, looking for sponsors for our event. I walked into Massage Envy, Dawn. trying to get the manager to give me a, a massage directly at my yes, event. Yes, it was Dawn, so yes. I, yeah, yep. let me call her right now. And she called you. They should leave a message. But that evening we connected. Ever since we connected, we have 
our friendship has grown. You are amazing. Thank you for the opportunity to be on your show today on this podcast with you to participate in your events, the things that you do. I'm watching you. And like you said, we support each other. And so you being there for me while I'm there for you is amazing. I really value that. That synergy, girl. That synergy. (laughs) Yeah. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you, y'all. Make sure y'all follow her nonprofit and her personal page. Um, She does a lot of great events, especially in the DMV area. So definitely check those out. Um, Not only if you have suffered the loss, but if you know someone who has, and you can learn to how to help support people through that process a little bit better. Awesome. Did you know that March is Women's History Month? Of course you did. (laughs) What better way to celebrate than to join my nonprofit, Life After Loss, in our inaugural Women's Empowerment event being held Saturday, March 14th from 11 a.m. to 4 p.m. The theme for this year is I am dot 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 woman. What a powerful statement, right? During our event, we will have some dynamic speakers, amazing vendors, a panel discussion, and a lot of fun. Tickets are just $15. And as with any of our events, teens are free. We're also looking to add a few more vendors to the roster for just $25. And also, if there are any teen-led businesses, those are free as well. Um, So if you're interested, please visit our website at lifeafterloss.me. That's lifeafterloss.me for more information. We are so excited to honor, celebrate, and empower women. Will you be there?